0: recap podcast for hbo's uh alien resurrection of a tv show a game of thrones my name is doug with me as always is brian brian how do you feel about the alien franchise uh i have never seen one Blasphemy. Actually, you know what
1: i think i've seen the alien versus predator Oh, that's the best one <laughs> the one with uh like
0: adrian brody and topher grace oh no adrian brody was in predators the sequel I guess it would, uh, uh, the third Predator movie, he played like a tough guy, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That thing.
0: That was Predators.
1: Okay. There you go. So it's it's adjacent. Yeah. I don't know.
0: It was stupid. Yep. Uh, you're not, are you not a big sci-fi guy?
1: Uh, I didn't watch them growing up and, uh, I, you know they're on the long list of things to eventually watch but uh not high on the list what about can i watch this bullshit again the stupid show
0: yeah what about okay so a big big uh kind of uh, disagreement with uh the nerd community as a whole uh do you think sci-fi and fantasy are basically the same thing some people are very angry when you uh dare to equate the two uh, but my feelings are there's the same shit uh just different time period
1: I mean, it's all make ups. I don't know
0: what else. Right, Well is- <laughs> that's the yeah. thing is like advanced technology takes a place of magic uh, in sci-fi. Oh,
1: I see. There there's some degree of futurism to one of them, and the other one is just complete bullshit.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's bullshit either way. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> great. I was just trying to great conversation starter. I I was not prepared. (laughs) Well, that's why I wanted a natural reaction. Okay. Well, we'll we'll rehearse the conversation next time, guys. Uh, We're here today to talk about episode five of season five, uh, the worst season ever. Uh, This episode is called Kill the Boy, uh, referring to, I guess, a line that Mister Eamon says to John later in the episode, basically just talking about you have to grow the fuck up and do some hard shit um, that you might not want to do.
1: Yeah, this is a that's a stupid title and a stupid line, I thought, but whatever. Yep.
0: Yeah, but it was yeah. ripped from the books, so Yeah. Can't hate on it too much. Uh so let's let's dive right in. Uh oh wait, first, initial oppressions. What do you think? Uh I thought this one was just okay. Uh, I didn't have a big problem with it, but
1: uh it wasn't it wasn't exciting or anything, I don't think.
0: Yeah, um I didn't think it was nearly as offensive as last week's. Um yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I did notice that they did a pretty good job of trickling the scenes, like, uh, this happened many times, I mean, just because I have to do this show every week, I've noticed when, I guess either, I think it's the directing that makes this happen, or the editing, who knows, where one person will come into a scene, like, you see this where, like, you know, Sam will be talking to John, and then Stannis will come in, and then we go to a scene with Stannis, and then, you know, it just, like, kind of, like, snowballs from one character to the next. It had a certain flow to it um, that I appreciated.
1: Yeah, it seemed like the the scenes kind of, uh, like you said, they kind of melted into each other as opposed to, there's been other weeks where they've just whipped back and forth between things right. that were unrelated whatsoever, and those tend to um, tend to lose you, at least lose me.
0: Okay, yeah, but overall, I, I agree with you. Kind of a, you know, middle-of-the-road episode for me. Yeah, that's was fine. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's start off. So Miss Sandy is looking over an unconscious gray, uh, gray worm uh, as Danny looks over a dead Barristan. So, um, you know... Once again, it just it makes what happened at the end of last week's episode by Grey Worm saving him at the last moment stupid. Uh, <laughs> he didn't save him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so they're they're kind of uh, obviously mourning or just down in the dumps. Uh, Dario comes in with a plan to quarantine the city, set up a safe zone, and then just sweep the city block by block and root out these sons of harpies. Uh, and Danny's really pissed, and she says she prefers her his earlier idea. Uh, of just rounding up the heads of all the great houses and, um, that's it. I think he wanted them to execute him. Uh, but we, uh, and then, uh, guess what? His daughter's like, but I'm the head of my house <laughs> and he gets seized right away. It's so dumb. Uh, we cut to the dragon hole, and Danny is intimidating the masters by, uh, you know, pushing them slowly into the darkness where dragons are kept, uh, talking shit the whole time. Eventually, pushes one poor sucker, um, forward a couple of paces. He falls to his knees and gets burned alive by one of the dragons, and subsequently torn apart and eaten. Um, she threatens all of them, but Hizdar is supremely uh, courageous and refuses to be uh, intimidated. Saying that all men must die. Uh, and Danny, I guess, respects this. For whatever reason, she decides to end the demonstration at this point. Um, and that's about it. Uh, I will point out the obvious um, comparisons to her father, the Mad King, who also burnt people alive. He did it with wildfire because he didn't have a dragon. But uh, Danny's not the best person in the world.
1: Yeah, I kind of like Dario's plan, uh, round them up, kill them all and let the many face God sort of <laughs> out. Um, but, you know, it's kind of it's uh, she, it, I guess she, Danny's just abandoning the whole, oh, I'm going to see justice for everyone. There's going to be fair trials all that sort of stuff. Instead, of just burning people alive. Um, uh, yeah, it seems like a departure from what she wanted to accomplish there but I guess she doesn't have a choice at this point because of the one attack on Grey Worm and and Selmy, or maybe it's just an act of revenge um, kind of covered as a political maneuver.
0: All right. so what my theory is, is uh, I think it was last episode of the episode before Barristan stayed her hand and told her that her dad was crazy and would do awful shit, and she decided to not do something, and now that Barristan's not around, she doesn't have that simple she can't remember his advice i guess yeah so she's just like no one's keeping her check or reminding her how uh how much of a tyrant her father was um that would be my assumption but uh, yes it's also
1: odd to me how there's this uh kind of transition now it seems like she suddenly has control of the dragons yeah she i think that part of that speech of you never abandon your children or whatever is to punctuate that or make it seem like she is gaining control but we definitely have not seen that on the screen, so I thought it was odd. Also, sends a bad message to the dragons. Now the dragons think they can just char people and eat them up. I guess I don't. It's odd.
0: It, yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense because the reason her dragons are down there, it's kind of you know a metaphor for her suppressing some part of her whatever personality or being. Yeah. And she's on good terms with them. So like, and they're cool with being in a hole and not flying around. That's it. Just seems dumb. It seems like the people who write the show doesn't don't understand the themes. But um, but yeah, it's just it's it's a weird tone. Like, yeah, she, she's now in full control. Feels like, yeah. And I wonder why the dragons. I,
1: I I guess this is never addressed. But why can't they just uh? Why can't they just melt
0: their chains? Oh, that that doesn't work. I guess Dragonfire
1: can't make, melt steel. They're ma- magic
0: uh, chains, yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you get annoyed when they speak
0: in the other languages on the show? I do because it's not consistent. Like, if yeah. everybody in Marine talked like that, I, I would get used to it, and maybe occasionally they would speak, you know, Westeros when it was just two of them alone. But they use it so infrequently, and it seems like it's at a whim, I, yeah, I, I, I don't
1: understand what the point is and it kind of annoys me, especially when I have to write down notes to talk on this stupid show. Right. Uh, I have to keep looking up that what they're saying, but
0: anyways. Yeah, my wife watches a show where deaf people um speak. I think it's called like Trading Places or Switch to Birth something like that and she hates it because she has to watch the screen, can't look away. It's quite yeah. annoying. Um <laughs> is she watching. I've never heard of that before. no you should check it out, but it uh it sounds a, awful. Yeah, it's pretty terrible.
1: All right. All right, so where do we go next? Next, uh, Sam is reading a message uh, about the about Danny's progress to Eamon. Eamon comments how she is rudderless and also is kind of familyless. We recall that this is actually his relative, and he bemoans her being alone. John enters and asks to speak to Eamon alone. There's a little bit of small talk. Then John says that he needs advice about his plan that he knows will divide the Night's Watch. Eamon says to do it because the Night's Watch is already fractured. And then uh, mutters the line, kill the boy, winners upon us, kill the boy, let the man be brave. Very patronizing line. Seemed ridiculous. Uh, I, I I didn't like that line at all whatsoever.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I get where you're coming from. But mm-hmm. like I said, it was in the books. But um, at one point, like John's trying to tell him what's up, and he's like, I don't even care. Whatever you're thinking about yeah. doing, just do it. And I was like, you know, what if John would said, oh, we elected Killery And the death panels are on, and you're going to get executed, you old piece of shit. I don't care. Just do it. Just Just do do it. it. Yeah, exactly. Dumb. Yeah, it uh, (laughs) seems... Eamon's there to
1: counsel. Right. I don't know why he wouldn't want to uh, hear what the plan is and maybe be able to offer a better plan or... Uh, at least modify the play. I mean, there's any any number of reasons that he should be listening instead of just going, just do whatever you feel, John.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, I guess his advice is for him to grow up, but, I mean, that doesn't work in every situation. It seems, yeah. No. Yeah. I, I wanted to cut to Amen and him just saying, I've made a huge mistake.
1: Yeah, exactly. I've made a huge, tiny mistake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so then John goes to see Torment and asks where the free folk are and who will lead them. They uh, have likely dispersed, according to, uh, or uh, I don't think they dispersed. Who knows? John then proposes to release Tormund in an effort to join forces. Uh, they want to go. He wants Tormund to go north of the Wall and gather the free folk. The wildlings belong to the realms of the men, despite the uh, despite the separation of the Wall. Tormund initially refuses, but John raises a point: all the free folk are eventually doomed, and so why isn't Tormund attempting to save them? Instead, it seems like he's just being a coward instead of uh, agreeing to make peace. John then releases Tormund from his chains, which kind of changes Tormund's mind. John then raises the short timing involved; the White Walkers are coming. They must move now. Tormund discloses that everyone is at Hardhome and they make the plan to go. Plan to borrow Stannis' ships, and Tormund insists John goes to Hardhome, which John eventually agrees to, or pretty quickly agrees to.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, the plot to Step Brothers. These guys were, you know, bitter enemies, and now look out—they just became good friends. Um, and I don't—I mean, obvious—it's obvious that I, I like the pitch to Torment from John's point of view, telling him, laying it out. And I felt like that went well, but the whole John has to go is pretty dumb.
1: Yeah, it has to come from your mouth. Why, why would they believe him any more
0: than 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 Torment? Right, it's not like they love and respect the Night's Watch. So, the King of the Night's Watch, you know, the Lord Commander, their head guy, shows up. Why would they trust him? Plus, John has hasn't been Lord Commander for like decades, so these people know his name. You know, right. he's, he's the bastard of Winterfell. Uh, they might have known, they might know that guy, but why would they respect that guy? Uh, or why would they respect a, a leader of the Night's Watch anyway? It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's just to get John to go to Hardhome, so we have that uh in your eyes one of the best episodes um of the series. And, no you know, question. I and I enjoy it too, but the means to get John there is pretty pretty suspect.
1: Yeah, and Stannis is about to engage in a war and he's willing to just give up his ships. I mean yeah. a lot of that doesn't make any sense. Nope. And I, this is that of course the whole Hard Home thing is show invention. So they're doing some gymnastics here to get John up to Hard Home along with Torman and provide them a way to bring back the Wildlings as well.
0: Yeah. By gymnastics, you mean masturbation, right? Uh, Okay,
1: I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
0: So uh, John goes to share the good news with the rest of the Night's Watch that they're letting all these wildlings uh, south of the wall, and it doesn't go over well. Um, You know, Sam says they can use the abandoned land that's in the gift, and someone counters that, hey, that land is abandoned because of the wildling raids. (laughs) That's why there's nobody living there. Um because of the east pieces of the crap, and even Pip um gives pushback saying that um you know all you know he has a bunch of friends who died uh at the hands of the wildlings uh but John's brute logic about how they can either have him as allies or zombified enemies just falls on deaf fears um later on in John's chambers, Ollie comes in to give him tea or something I don't know uh and uh John asks for his opinion um. And he reminds John and us as the audience that his family was butchered and eaten by these people. Wah!
1: <laughs> I'm Ollie, wah! <laughs>
0: uh, John try- my mommy, wah. John tries to empathize with him, saying, hey, I know what it's like to lose people, but I don't think you do to the point of, like, those people being killed right in front of you and promised that they would be you like a
1: fucking 11 years old you're in your formative years
0: <laughs> right john's a man yeah. at at 16 or whatever yeah he gave up the boy uh yeah but uh ollie gives him the cold shoulder after john's like come on man you know i'm right right and uh he just pieces out but yeah you gotta <clears throat> you gotta sympathize or or you gotta be on ollie's side a little bit because i mean to Ollie's point, let's look at it from Ollie's perspective. John's like, hey, we need to let these wildlings come in or else monsters are gonna come in and kill us all. But monsters have already come to <laughs> Ollie's place and killed everybody he knew. He killed they killed everyone. So like it's just a different form of monster, and I gotta imagine the wildlings are more real than the White Walkers, and they're not they're almost the same threat. There's not any worse. Oh, I think it's significantly worse, the White Walker threat. But from Ollie's perspective. Yeah. Yeah, whole, and I don't think his whole that,
1: world. Uh, this is also, I think, colored by the fact that we've seen... In Home we saw the Night's King just raise all those people and know that there is a direct correlation to, hey, people dead, they're part of the army. So I think part of this like logic is getting a little bit ahead of itself uh, in the show. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I understand their point, absolutely. I, I mean, I... I agree with him, but I also think I agree with John. It's just it's hard to like. It'd be hard to sell that that the wildlings are willing to come down and be peaceful people.
0: That's I, that's absolutely just, correct.
1: They, what, what's, they're both right. Uh, yeah, I, I, that seems like a bridge too far. But
0: yeah, I don't know. Um, but uh, but this is you know makes good makes for good writing having uh, seeing both perspectives and know they're going to come to loggerheads. John just needed a better PR person to kind of sell yeah. better, I guess. I don't know. He's a real
1: hype man, like the dude who danced for the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones.
0: <laughs> that guy's great. Yeah.
1: Yep. Okay, what happens next? Next, uh, Pod and Brienne are in a house. Uh, Brienne is staring at Winterfell. Pod uh, remarks that maybe Sansa's better off at uh, at Winterfell, but Brienne disagrees. Of course, she's in danger with the people who murdered her family. Uh, some old creeps bring in some food, and Brienne uh, asks the creep about his history then tells the creep that she knows Sansa is in there, and that uh, she tells the guy about her oath to, to Catelyn, which uh, you know at this point she might as well just introduce herself with that fucking oath, and uh, tells the guy that she needs to send a message to to Sansa.
0: Yeah, um, it's probably not a good idea if you're like I don't know a couple hundred yards from the Bolton's to mention that you're on a uh, <laughs> like a sacred quest to save Sansa. Yeah.
1: How does she know that this guy is cool?
0: I mean, he doesn't look cool. No, he looks like a creep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I obviously, this is show invention. Uh, Brianne just being at Winterfell, hanging out. Yeah. A- and then her her story really doesn't do anything. She just, her plan, she's like, can you get a message to Sansa? And he's like, yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about it, I guess, later, but I'll, I want to talk about it now. Her plan is just light a candle if shit goes down. And then what's Brianne's plan? Yeah, I'll, I'll then I storm the castle. Yeah, I'll yeah. storm the castle. I'll, I'll just be in this fucking jabroni pot. Trust me, I'll get in. Yeah. No, I sworn an oath that I have a sword. I got this. Yeah. <sighs> Who cares? All right, is it me again? Yes. Okay, so Ramsey and his um, his main piece Miranda are hanging out uh, naked. Uh, Miranda's jealous of Sansa. Uh, she thought she would marry Ramsey and he's like, yeah, you would have when I was still a bastard, but now I'm a Bolton and I have to carry on a dynasty or whatever. A um, dynasty. Dynasty. Yeah. yeah. Oh, minge. Okay. Whatever. Goddamn, Mingesty. Oh, Mingesty. <laughs> All right. So, uh, <laughs> he says, uh, yeah, he's going to marry Sansa cause he has to, but he's still gonna, <laughs> you're still mine. It's not like you can get away, uh, which every girl wants to hear. Uh, lets her know that he also finds jealousy boring, and he reminds her what he does to people who bore him. And I guess, so not being boring means biting him, which is what she does. Uh, and he's into it. And I guess they have sex standing up, but it kind of looks, practically speaking, like a bunch of weird rubbing. Because the angle's all along. Yeah, really that's, a,
1: that's an odd entry angle.
0: Yeah. No question about it.
1: Yeah, her <laughs> her hip bones are worrisome. I don't know if they you have, noticed. They are very, <laughs> looks like they could cut you. Yeah, um, well, you know, this is definitely not a healthy relationship. I don't think, but I, I guess at least she seems to be into it to some extent. So
0: yeah, I, guess I didn't that's feel all too matters. bad about this,
1: but but uh, the larger point of the scene is uh, fuck these people. Uh, I really don't care. So what this this scene, so I do not like the scene. Uh, I just I think it was titillating for titillating sake. Uh, I agree, and I, uh, I mean I guess it sets up some of the later nonsense where um, where Sansa kills her, but. Um, this is a, this, this character is completely made up. Didn't Ramsey have, like, a group of, like, boys, like the the Bones Boys or something like that? The Bastards Boys. Yeah, which they were, those were kind of like his wrecking crew even though he didn't care about them, so instead they morphed it into this lady he bangs with weird hip bones. Yeah. Uh, kind of an odd, odd story switch. I would have liked to have seen the, the Bastard Boys instead of just this kennel Master's daughter.
0: Plus we just, in the book, they don't flesh out, uh, Ramsey's character really much at all because yeah. you know he's not a main character so the only pov character that's with him is sansa now but like we don't need to this much ramsey time like we don't it's not even like the lannisters who we feel like conflicted about uh you know with Tyrion and whatnot and tywin uh you don't feel conflicted about bolton at all you just hate him yeah no question so why would you and that's and then the bigger point with this whole season i just realized it's just misery pounded upon misery it's just yes. every it's just too much misery not enough hope plus you're spending time with characters you really don't like
1: yeah and we talked about this a lot in the uh the six season review uh th- there's a lot of uh stories in this one that just don't really matter from the point of view of the ultimate battle yeah uh you know so um like for instance, Dan Skanks, which thankfully we are, do not have to encounter this one. Uh, I mean, I guess Ramsey is part of John's transition to King Shit of Fuck Mountain, but uh, he sucks though. So. Yeah, and
0: one, once again, yeah, he's he's awful. We know he's awful. We just we're just given scene after scene and uh, uh, just airtime of him being awful. Yeah, uh, and it's not yep. even like I. It's not even like Tywin, which he's like a terrible person, but kind of admirable in some way so i don't mind him having screen time it's just it's just just unpleasant okay so uh later sansa is disturbed by a serving woman who comes in and gives her brianne's message um and the message is if you're ever in trouble climb the tallest tower and light a candle Uh, once again that's that seems like the end of the plan uh so sansa goes for a walk to check out this tower and miranda creeps up on her uh, and she's all weird pleasantness, touching her clothes and whatnot, just being real creepy. Uh, they talk about Sansa's mom and somehow Miranda talks Sansa into going to the kennels to see a reminder of her past life or whatever and that reminder turns out to be Reek, living in the you know kennel like a dog. Uh, and the sight of him sickens her, as it should, and he was uh, what she thinks. Uh, he murdered her Brothers and also definitely sacked winterfell, so she doesn't really like him uh, so she leaves in disgust
1: yeah, I don't have much to add to this scene I uh, kind of surprised that she hasn't run into him yet also surprising that uh, Miranda did this introduction because you would think that this would be something that uh that Ramsey would want to control and so this would kind of almost be a smack in the face to ramsey but right. i don't know uh,
0: yeah. and it and it made it seem like because uh in the next scene theon like apologizes for letting sansa see him which made me think that he was trying to keep him out of the way or yes. hidden so but you're right miranda i guess is not only trying to piss off sansa but also get back at ramsey which doesn't seem like a good idea no um, no
1: a terrible idea as a matter of fact. So, yeah. Next, we go to Reek. He is dressing Ramsey, who also who comments on Reek's aroma that day. Uh, Reek reports that Sansa saw him and apologizes after initially kind of trying to hide it. Ramsey tells Reek to not keep any secrets, and then tells Reek to get down on his knees, give him his hand. I thought a, a marriage proposal was forthcoming, but apparently not. Uh, so eventually, uh, Reek thinks, or Reek thinks, obviously, that he's in for a beating, but then Ramsey simply forgives him. Yeah. Crap. I don't know uh, what this was about. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't understand what yeah, why why would Reek be reluctant to report that Sansa saw him? It was through no fault of his own. I mean, yeah. I guess it might piss off Ramsay, but it's not Reek's fault at all. So I, I don't really understand what this was other than more um look at Ramsay, he's bad, but
0: sometimes he's not the worst. I right. It's it's him psychologically fucking with uh Theon. We don't need any more of this. No, and it just keeps going and going. And, so, yeah, and it doesn't really add to anything. We could have just cut to the next scene. Yes. And so we
1: go to the next scene. It's on to Dinner for Psychos. Uh, Fat Walda is there, the Bold's and Sansa. They're dining. Ramsey rises to make a toast to his upcoming nuptials. Fat Walda attempts to make small talk with Sansa. Uh, Ramsey then brings up uh, that, she, that Sansa and Rick had a reunion earlier that day. Asks Sansa if she is still angry with Reek, and Reek is obviously in the room as well. Ramsay says the North remembers and that Theon has been punished. She's now Reek. Sansa interjects and asks why he's doing this, which prompts uh, Ramsay to yell at Reek to apologize. And eventually Reek is able to apologize to Ramsey's standards, and
0: the awkward dinner continues. Um, oddly, Roose is just kind of sitting by and letting this happen. Yep, I wrote the same thing. I was like, yeah. listen, there's no way Roos would just let this go out of control or his son take the reins here. There's no way he, would, he wouldn't step in. Yeah. It's just dumb. No. So then Ramsey uh, proposes to have
1: Reek give Sansa away as the closest rel- living relative. And then Roos and Fat Walda make the announcement that they have good news. We're pregnant and it's a boy. And Sansa smirks because she knows that this might interfere with with Ramsey's position and inheritance of Winterfell and whatever else Roost has.
0: Yeah, and Fat Waldo was just pounding wine, which is not good for the baby. Oh, I didn't even notice that. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah. But not much to say. Just once again, it's just him trying to fuck with Sansa and fuck with Theon and his dad's just letting it happen but looking awkward like he doesn't enjoy it. So I I really didn't like that.
1: No, it's kind of making... uh... Kind of making Roos a punk, which into the next scene, Roos does address it, but uh, Christ, I mean, I would think that Roos would have just stood up at that dinner table and slapped him or something, you know? Or
0: just spoke over him and said, "Uh, that'll be enough, Ramsey, why don't we talk about something else and, you know, just steer the conversation somewhere. I don't know.
1: Yeah, because Roos has definitely put Ramsey in his position a number of times, and I think, I mean, Ramsey, at least at this point in the show is completely subservient to his father once his father asserts himself. So it's odd that he just kind of lets him go on other than maybe just doesn't give a shit enough to to interject. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, it's odd. So, so uh, nothing else to say about that scene. So it's the after dinner party with just Roos and Ramsey. Ramsey makes some uh, fat jokes. Uh, For instance, how did he find, how did Ruth find a fat Waldo's wedding night area? Uh, how do they know she's pregnant not just fat? Uh, real funny stuff. Although I did, you know, those were terrible jokes, but I did like Ramsey's face when he was making the jokes. Yeah. <laughs> it, it looked ridiculous, but anyways. Uh, Roos tries to change the subject from his overweight wife. Uh, says that Ramsey disgraced himself at dinner by parading around Reek. Ramsey then steers the topic back to what happens if the baby's a son. Uh, he, uh, uh, what did I write here?
0: Well, we get oh, the story about you know his conception. Fall yeah, so I mean, but Ramsey's obviously worried about his
1: about his place. Right. It, it, that that was the effect of what I was trying to say. So, and I don't think that there is a clearly. I read online that in the books there is not a clearly that the act of legitimizing a bastard is not like a standard practice such that. If a bastard is uh, is legitimized, there's no standard procedure as to how they uh, end up in the line of primogeniture or any of that kind of stuff. So I think the book or the show kind of makes it seem like this is the way exactly it goes, whereas it's it's kind of a free-for-all in the books. So I mean I think the implication is clear that if there is a son that they have, even though mm-hmm. he's born after Ramsay, the son, that pure – I quote-unquote – pure son – would overtake Ramsey in the line of inheritance?
0: All I, uh, I read it as Ramsey's going to get the inheritance. It's just, this is a possible threat. <laughs> like this kid could grow up and say, well, you're not a true born. You were legitimized. And like, you know, it's right. just another people believe whatever, you know, power resides where people believe it is. So like, you know, this young upstart could start a PR campaign and turn the people against him. Um, so it's just a possible threat. Like, Ramsey's life would just be better without this kid around, basically.
1: See, I I, I kind of interpreted it as the kid takes over. No. Uh, otherwise, I don't I don't know why Ramsey would be that threatened.
0: <clears throat> uh because it's just a possible, you know, it's it's you just don't want the possibility um of somebody taking it away from you.
1: God, I mean, that's his actions later seem like a kind of an overreaction if it's just a possible, I mean if he's if he's got the like the if he's first in line in
0: inheritance, I believe he is. Then why is he so then why is he so worried though? Well, here is the thing in the uh, in the books, Ramsey killed uh, <laughs> Bolton's uh, oldest son, his eldest son and only son.
1: I did. I, I forgot about
0: that. Yeah, he Jeez. like he was the reason why he found Ramsey. Um, like he, you know, the, the I can't remember what the guy's name was, but. Ramsey's true-born son went looking for, found out that he had a half-brother, and went looking for him, and it led to his demise. So you got to think that Ramsey killed his older brother, so he's going to assume that his younger brother would do the same to him.
1: Yeah, uh, well, that's not in the show, obviously. Of course not, yeah. Uh, but, and also, I guess, though, he's willing to kill his own father in the later episode uh, this is a spoiler alert. Uh, we will not have any other spoilers. Oh, yeah. Thank you, thank you, uh, whatever you, for that, Brian. you say. Yep. Yeah, no problem. So I get. I mean, if he's willing to kill his father later on in the episode, then I guess him becoming the warden of the north is that important that he would be concerned of a remote possibility of the younger child eventually taking over. But still, uh, I think it reads uh, would be better if um, if he, you know, if the pure quote unquote pure son did jump to the front of the line. But I, I guess it's not the case. So uh, I did like yeah, Sansa smirking during the scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. That was the prior scene. Uh, I didn't mention that. Yeah. He knows I but yeah. But anyways, so then Roos brings up how uh, he how uh, the story behind Ramsey's mom, apparently a miller married someone without his permission. So he killed the miller and raped the miller's wife.
0: Under she came back the, a- under the hanged corpse of her husband. <laughs> Good God. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and this, that, th- this, in large part, didn't this actually come from the book as well? Yeah,
0: absolutely, it did. Yeah, I just yeah. I, So yeah, okay, finish this off, but I got a, a point to say about that. Yeah.
1: So then the Miller's wife, Miller's former wife, came back a year later um, he, with a son. He nearly killed the boy, but so it was Ramsey. It was a son. Hey, Lucinda kill the boy is the name his- of the episode. Oh, hey, how about that? <laughs> Probably should have done it. Might have saved you some <laughs> trouble down the road, buddy. Okay. So, uh, so then Roos begins discussing the strategy. Stannis is coming and says the North is theirs and asks Ramsay if he will help defend it against Stannis, to which Ramsay seems uh, taken in, excited, and affirms that he will help Roos defend the North.
0: Yeah, um, this story is in the books. I just feel like... Uh, the misery is just it's ill-timed so to put this story here now when we're just feeling really depressed from just too much Ramsey too much Boltons it's just too much I remember one uh, one line from the books that really stands out to me and I don't know if they put this in the show but, I think I know what you're gonna say <laughs> uh, yeah but Roos turns to his son and says uh, Ramsey and says don't make me regret the day I raped your mother <laughs> just yeah awful Uh, but it stuck with me. Um, but yeah, it's you know this is not so this isn't like just made up uh, show invention crap. It's just to put this here now. Just it's just too. I feel too depressed. I feel like it's just too much.
1: Yeah, because they've already been piling on significantly more than the books did uh, in terms of uh, the depressing and gross parts of the show. We just had Sansa
0: get beat up for fucking fifteen minutes or whatever mentally. Yeah exactly so uh
1: i agree with you i agree with you on
0: that but yeah and then he gives a motivational speech is that supposed to motivate ramsey to like join us join forces with his dad and help him secure the north that seems
1: strange i did think that it was somewhat effective because i I thought that he did communicate the roots did communicate to ramsey that that they are in this together it's not it's not uh Ramsey should not be worried about the his younger son usurping his position. But that's I mean, dumb. I thought that was effective.
0: But yeah. that's dumb because obviously Roos is having a child and excited about it as insurance, if not the possibility of replacing Ramsey himself. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, I guess it's, instead of thinking it from the perspective of the kid jumps ahead, Roos could always just make the kid, the, the younger kid, right. the... the yeah, take that heritage. So I guess that that makes a little more sense. And Roos has never come out and explicitly said Ramsey, you remain number one. So now that in that context, I think it makes more sense for Ramsey to be worried because Roos, right. even though he legitimized him uh, or obtained legitimization of of Ramsey, he still <laughs> spent like years his entire life calling
0: him my bastard. So it's not like this Roos <laughs> forgot about that. Nope. No. So what next, Doug? All right, so uh, Gilly is annoying Sam while he's trying to read, um, read up on how to defeat the others, and she's just being annoying. She asks stupid questions like, can you eat books? Uh, and Sam is exceedingly patient with all these questions. She's like, what is a Citadel? What, what do you read books? And well, you, you know, though th- the thing is, though,
1: Sam is still so fat after living up north <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it was like putting ranch on old old manuscripts and just chewing them I down.
0: I don't know. Ranch is pretty good. You can put that on almost anything. Spice it right up. <laughs> yeah, on my of papyrus. Yep. Uh, yeah. But yeah, she just keeps asking questions. Uh, talks about books, the library, the library at the Citadel, Citadel's where Mr. Amen goes, and Sam's, she asked Sam, I think she has Sam White and go. He said some bullshit about wanting the excitement of the wall and how he was thankful he did come up here because he got to meet Gilly. Anyway, Stannis busts up the party. Gilly leaves. He has a private word with Sam. Uh, They talk about Sam's badass father, uh, Randall Tarly, uh, who we get the pleasure of meeting next season. Um, They also talk about Dragonglass, which uh, Stannis has in abundance on Dragonstone. Um, And they talk about how, you know... Sam's doing good work, and he encourages them to keep up his research because it could make the difference with their fight against the others. Um, later, Stannis uh, is talking to Davos, and they, he basically says, it's time to march on Winterfell. Davos wants to wait, insists. Uh, but uh, Stannis says, hey, we got to move now. The winner could drop on us at any time. And the longer we wait, the more they could fortify uh, against us. Um, and Stannis also insists on bringing the whole family, which seems crazy, um, because he said they would not be safe at the wall with all the murderers and rapists running about. Um, next morning, everybody gathers in the yard, um, and Davos gets chided by Salis for just answering Shireen's questions, just having a normal conversation about what's going to happen. And, uh, Stannis tells John, you better bring back my ships as soon as you're done using them. And he's like, okay, I will. And then the army departs.
1: Yeah, I like, the, uh, I like the scene between Stannis and Sam. I mean, Stannis gets it, uh, and I like the illustrations of Stannis realizing, again, what is important. Uh, and I also like the interaction between Stannis and Sam because Stannis is actually, I think, re- recognizes to some degree that Sam has some importance. Right. Uh, Sam is not this. just an effectual.
0: Yeah. That's absolutely the case, and I like that as well. That makes you like Stannis, I guess, a little bit. Yeah,
1: to some extent, I do not. Why, when Stannis realizes they just need Dragonstone, why the fuck did he not send like every single one of his soldiers back to get Dragonstone? Well, I should,
0: or, but I kind of let this guy borrow all my boats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, really kind
1: of goofy. Um, so, and so the other thing is, uh, I wondered is uh, in the scene, the second half of the scene that you described. Is you have Davos uh, questioning why Stannis is bringing along Shireen and Célise Do you think Davos has had an idea of what's in the store? Because it, it was quite uh, an ill ill omen when he like looks over and sees Mel st- staring at him, like right after they have that conversation about bringing along Shireen in particular.
0: So I don't remember explicitly when it happens, but at certain at a certain point, Davos says goodbye to her and gives her that like figurine that he finds at her pyre. Remember that? Yeah. Yes. So that's going to happen and I remember remarking uh to you when we did when we watched this the first time that Davos knew something bad was going to happen to Shireen and he went against his own instincts. Uh and it was very clear to me in the in the show at that time. But here I think he's just worried about her. Okay. I, I don't know if he thinks Anything that terrible will happen to her, but uh, I definitely think he's guilty of uh, not doing anything to defend her later on.
1: Yeah, and uh, Salise continued her uh, her quest to be the worst character in the show. Irredeemable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. The battle scare the child. Bitch, you're about to burn your daughter. What the? You have fetuses in jars. I mean, what the hell?
0: You're uh, taking her on a you're taking her on a war campaign. I mean, yeah. we you gonna tell her they're gonna be lollipops. Lemon cake?
1: I, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. And I, I, I phew, so at least I, she gets she gets my goat. I'll just say it. Yeah. She gets my goat.
0: Yeah. Uh, and and I guess it's good that Stannis is moving on. Um, but you're right. In the in the the books, there's more to it. Like, uh, as far as you know, Stannis is like, hey, we saved your asses from the wildlings, and you know, you owe us this. And they have to share resources and all this crap. Uh, so John doesn't want to split his allegiance or appear like he's supporting Stannis but um, because then the crown would you know obviously think that the wall was traitors and not send any more men so it's very uh, you know it's a political balancing act similar to Marine only not as fucking terrible Um, yeah and I I just think it's kind of it's kind of glossed over here I don't know
1: yeah so next, Grey Worm uh, wakes to Miss Sandy having been uh, shanked in the yard in the last episode. He asks about Selmy and here's the bad news Grey Worm is afraid that he failed everyone while Miss Sandy attempts to placate him. Grey Worm reveals that he's not ashamed that he lost, but he's ashamed because he was scared of never being able to see Miss Sandy again. Aww. Uh, she climbs into bed and gives him some smoochie. And it's very difficult to restrain myself making jokes about the impact of Grey Worm's game on Miss Sandy in this. Uh, But then again, I hate this
0: couple. Yeah. Yeah. So anything else to say? No. uh, Just besides, like, who is a fan of this? Like, I don't know. You know, because in the books, Miss Sandy, I think she's like 10 years old.
1: Yeah. And she's like, uh, brilliant. She's preternaturally smart and, and understands relationships and all this stuff. And Danny puts her on the small council or they, well, the, uh, wherever the hell she is, Miranese version of the small council. Right. Even though she's a 10 year old, but they have actually aged her up. So this makes sense. But this is a show invention and it's boring and garbage. Yeah. I don't Unless understand you what's are to- into the uh, Jim and Pam aspect of it.
0: Yeah. I guess you're just like, it's a workplace romance and it's adorable. It can never happen. Yeah it's tragic and beautiful
1: i know it's just for like uh women who want to watch it and then fantasize about meeting a dickless man who has no feelings at the workplace just like miss Sandy.
0: uh yeah i guess it's you know or it's like um i don't know like when they throw a bone to uh in a chick flick to the men that are watching by having a booby scene (laughs) i don't know (laughs) yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to make sense of this. It's just flawless boring. parallel. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't All know. right. So next we go to Miss Sandy and Danny, they're meeting. Danny faces the decision whether to uh, have show mercy or punish everyone. Danny asks Miss Sandy for her opinion, but Miss Sandy is initially reluctant to. Bindy gives some reasons about why she will not provide her opinion, but basically says that she's seen Danny take advice from a number of people and danny just makes something up and it's the best thing
0: right kill the boy don't even tell me what you want to do just do it yeah i'm not gonna give yeah. you real we'll advice lose. i'm just my advice is do your own thing so it's very similar yeah. to what happened with john exactly
1: it's another kind of uh, empty scene so um danny goes to the prison for uh his darl fuck boy he cowers and says he does not want to die Danny says she was wrong about tradition and bringing people together. She declares that she is going to reopen the fighting pit pits, but only to free people. And one last thing, will you marry me? And then she walks out. Apparently has no choice in the matter whatsoever.
0: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what to say. I mean, it's, uh, it's just, it's weird. It's a, it's a divergence from the uh, book. Uh, but his dar's whole character in the show is like super, like, I don't know, goody two-shoes, let's say. Uh, yeah. In the book, he's like, yes, marry me. All these people want to marry Danny. And they throw it out there. So it's not her idea. She just basically chooses one. Um, but this guy's, you know, a sad sack. <laughs> he's a, he is yeah, a sad really. sack. Really? Yeah. Huh. Uh, yeah. So maybe it makes sense uh, from the show's perspective that she's gonna be, wear the pants in the family. I mean, she's gonna wear the pants in any relationship, but like, uh, she's picking this guy because he's like a soft man or easily controlled. Like, there's no threat of like physical violence from <laughs> Star. Seems like from her perspective, I don't know. I I just don't. It doesn't make a lot of sense out of
1: no it really doesn't uh no and i never liked his dar you know that i don't think you're supposed to like his dar i don't even like him in the role that he's supposed to play in the show he's like um, the lisa
0: simpson he's like you know when things get out of control he's like the voice of reason or like what should be done or what the i don't know Uh, oh, yeah. uh you're right yeah uh. that's uh, a terrible parallel sorry <laughs> oh i don't know you come up with a better one. Five, I, no, four, I, three. Two, he's like the one. Marge Simpson of the show. There shop. you go. Very good. <laughs> Way to outdo me. He's uh, like the Ned Slanders. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. He's Dr. Nick. Okay. okay. So uh, Tyrion and Jorah are sailing along. Um, so this would be a point where I'd make a lonely island joke if uh, the stepbrothers didn't do it first uh, by talking about boats and hoes. Uh, so Tyrion and Jorah are on a boat. And Tyrion's bored. Uh, he can tr- continues to try to engage Jor in conversation, and it doesn't work. Uh, and Tyrion is in the middle of a rant about how his alcoholism requires him to have wine. Uh, <laughs> he, summed
1: up, he summed up people <laughs> who drink from to day to dawn, or dawn, day to dusk. <laughs> yep. I'm tired. Um I spent a lot of time out in the heat today. Uh he sums up the uh permanent alcoholic very well there.
0: Yeah. He's just like I I have to <laughs> it's not like a op- option to not have wine. Anyway, uh he sees that they're heading to Valeria, the doomed ancient ruin of Danny's people, the Valerians, the people who were the dragon lords. Um and Tyrion gives everyone a little history lesson with a poem and Jorah knows the poem too and finishes out. And out of the gloom, I guess, uh, maybe because they were in Valeria where dragons were once uh, pets to these people, uh, but Tyrion spots Drogon, and he passes overhead, uh, and there's a moment of all where Jorah and Tyrion just watch this uh, dragon soar overhead, and I thought that was really well done. Um, but as, he, as Drogon fades in the distance behind them, there's a splash, and they've been distracted, and... Uh, infected grayscale guys, rage zombies kind of people show up and they attack the boat. Uh, some of them drop in the water, some of them fall into the boat. Uh, Mormont, and there's a struggle, you know, all this crap. Uh, Mormont is able to pull his sword and slay most of them. Uh, but as one gets close to Tyrion, he decides to jump into the water, uh, leave the boat, hand still tied. He's underwater trying to untie his restraints when a stone man grabs him from beneath and drags him down into the depths. He blacks out uh, and it's a weird, weird pause where there's no sound and it's just black in the show for a little bit too long. And he wakes to find Jorah standing over him. Uh, he's been saved and what a relief. Jorah says they're now going to continue on land uh, to Marine instead of a boat. Maybe they'll find another boat. Maybe they won't. Uh, problem for another day says he's going to run off and get firewood. Uh, And as he does, he stops a minute to pull up his sleeve, revealing to himself and the audience that he has indeed been infected with grayscale. So first first question, why
1: is Jorah being such a dickhead to Tyrion on this trip?
0: I don't know, man. I I think that uh, Jorah is just in a sad, angry place. Because he doesn't have yeah. Danny. he's been exiled, so he's just mean to everybody. You know, when you've like, had a rough day, you'll just be a asshole to anybody. They'll just go off and maybe just be in a pouty mood. But you would think he'd be in high spirits, because now he's he believes he's going to get back in her high her good graces. So maybe you would think he'd be kind of cheery. I don't know. Yeah, he'd be excited about it. I don't think he's taking Tyrion like, as a bounty
1: to be killed. I mean... I guess he maybe is, but I would think that he would want Tyrion to kind of like be on his side a little bit. Or I I guess we don't really know what Jorah's uh, intentions are in terms of or what he thinks is going to happen with Danny and Tyrion other than he's bringing Tyrion to her, I I guess.
0: And Tyrion's absolutely right. It's just a long ass trip to be with somebody and not talk to him. It's just, you know, you know, one thing if it was Jorah and another scumbag and they could talk to each other. But no, it's just Jorah. And Tyrion. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. The the uh, shot of Drogon uh, going over top and the side the reaction was really cool, and I thought it was a great juxtaposition with the stone men dropping in. I agree. Uh, the sto- stone men are terrifying, and uh, that was well played. I thought. Um, so, and have we talked about on the podcast
0: the story of Valyria? Uh, uh, probably not. I mean, briefly, I'm sure we have. But okay. yeah, just give me my. Do you want me to give you the rundown? Yeah, hit, hit right. me with hit me with it. All right, cliff notes are. Elevator pitch. Elevator pitch, where, uh, it's just a long, it's like kind of like the Roman Empire in the Middle Ages. It was this advanced, technologically advanced, but not like they had laser beams or some shit. Just an advanced civilization that basically was an empire and ruled the world, and their home base or their Rome was this place called Valeria, home of the 13 flames or some shit. Basically, it was a volcanic, uh, island, uh, at the end of a, like, uh, uh i don't know end of a river i don't know anyway uh these valerian people look like danny they had the silver hair purple eyes and they could control dragons and that's how they were able to uh subjugate most of the world and have their empire uh and about 300 years ago uh well actually about 400 years ago danny's relatives uh ancestors they had like a uh a crazy aunt who said she could see the future in her dreams and she said that valeria is going to go down we need to get the fuck out of here so danny's uh ancestors went to dragonstone to live there and set up shop there hundred years later the vision comes through uh valeria is destroyed in a natural uh disaster it's unclear what exactly but it seems like all the volcanoes erupted at the same time maybe it was an earthquake who knows But the whole civilization was just ruined. Everybody died, including the dragons. Uh, It was just a real bad scene. Uh, And now it's considered like a cursed place. Uh, There's various characters who have gone to the ruin of Valeria and never come back, including uh, one of the Lannister, one of Tywin's brothers looking for the house Valyrian steel sword. I don't know. It's just a bad place to go, but it's never really explained why. I don't know if it's radioactive or what.
1: Are the stone men around in the books?
0: Yeah, but they're in a different place. They were in, um, they attack when they're on the river going through the old Roinish. Uh, So, this is another little history lesson that I don't know a lot about, but uh, you know how they say uh, when somebody of the Seven Kingdom King is, you know, he's the guy, the first men, king of the first men, the Andals and the Roinar. Has that ever come out before? I don't think so. Okay, so Roy and I are just basically the Dornish people for the most part. Half of the Dornish people—they were a uh, river civilization uh, in Essos that got fucked up by the Valerians, so they left and migrated to Westeros. You know, hundreds, maybe thousands of years ago, and they set up shop there. But their city uh, is where the gray-scale uh, people go. Um, I can't remember. When what what the name of the city is but it really doesn't matter but yeah the it's it's a weird place where it's really foggy and boats get turned around uh you know people get lost in there and it's where everybody sends their infected <laughs> relatives like kind of like a home you know we can't take care of them anymore so we'll let his he <laughs> will just live out the rest of the days as a weird cannibal running around with the other stone cannibals i don't know doesn't make a lot of sense can, can you imagine if you plod yourself to something real instead of this knowing the history of western <laughs> i would probably be a lot more successful rich who knows yeah your wife has to be ashamed <laughs> i you know what i i don't even do all the extra research maybe i listen to podcasts and they talk about this shit oh
1: god gotcha, so this is all gotcha. third
0: hand yeah yeah so uh i think that's about it i guess yeah, uh once again uh, yeah, there's not yeah. much to say. This was a very mediocre episode. I didn't hate it. I mean, I just thought it was just too much Bolton's. Just way too much of yeah. the Bolton's. Uh that was I think my biggest hang up or why Well, I mean,
1: that and no Lannisters on top of that. Other I mean, obviously Tyrion's in it, but there's yeah. no none of the politics of the Lannisters.
0: Yeah, and uh I guess the politics of Marine and the Wall are uh not really that interesting. Uh, so yeah, no, it's just, not these stages. Yeah, it's just uh a very anemic episode. But once again, didn't make me angry like last week's episode was. Yes, so. yes. Uh, that being said, I'm gonna give it a two That's the
1: same thing I was gonna give it.
0: Yeah, just south of middle of the road, I guess.
1: Yep, agreed.
0: Okay, um, since you're not gonna do sandwich, I'll liken this to a subway meatball sandwich with mayonnaise on it when he didn't want it ew yeah
1: it, and lettuce <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: just add insult to injury That <laughs> yeah. shitty I'm, iceberg lettuce I'm gonna give a chicken soft taco but they forgot the cheese ooh uh no uh, fire sauce <laughs> oh you know I got that fire sauce okay well that's pretty good then
1: <clears throat> yeah uh, actually that's probably still good tortilla chicken and fire sauce
0: yeah that's delicious yep Okay, uh, guys, thanks for sticking with us uh, once again. Uh, we'll be back again next week to continue this uh, nightmarish slog through uh, the rewatch. Uh, and be sure to check out our other podcast, new podcast called Flick Fuck Pals. Fuck Pals. It's called Flick Pals or Flicking Bros. Uh, we're gonna be doing. We did one episode like, on. Look, the bean. Flick, yeah, exactly like flicking the bean. Uh we did one episode on Prometheus and we're gonna record the next one on Alien Covenant. Should be out midweek, so keep an eye out for that. Once again, flick it out. Are the these owls. gonna be all alien? All aliens? No, I think we're gonna make it just like summer movie blockbusters that we care to see. It's not like I'm gonna go see, you know, crap like um Justice League or something. I'm gonna see like the movies that I wanna see um, Like, as they come uh, out. There's no moms on Mars or whatever that was. Is there moms on Mars? Oh, I think that's a, a young adult uh, novel movie. Maybe I, I, I see that. Uh, Doug, Doug. If I'm going to watch the podcast, do I have to have watched the movie? No, but be in. My, keep in mind, I I want to give a spoiler warning right now, but I can't because we are. You already gave one, but there might be spoilers in these reviews. But you don't have to if you don't plan on ever seeing the movie. There's there's movie review podcasts that I listen to because they are going to talk about movies that I'll never see and don't want to see. Um, so so check it out alright maybe I will no you won't (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Jesus Christ we love each other trust us okay Uh, thank you very much guys and we will see you next Tuesday take care say bye bye gotta say bye bye bye